0: Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode 110 of Buds and Blue Jays, your place for all things related to the Toronto Blue Jays. As usual, I'm your host, Jesse Burl, and I'm joined as always by my co-host, Riley McConnell. And Riley, the Blue Jays went down to Texas where everything is bigger in Texas. Unfortunately, the Blue Jays' bats were not bigger in Texas. We lose two out of three games against the Texas Rangers. We'll get into all of that into this episode. But first, Riley, how are you feeling, man? Tough series lost against a good team from the AL West. How are we feeling?
1: So the Texas Rangers, I mean, I, I was surprised going down there and, and not taking two victories. Texas was very tough to compete with. These were close ball games. We talked about it last episode. Um, and the, I believe the phrase was games we should have won. I mean, we sneak out um, with a two to one victory. We drop one, four to two mm-hmm. um, in our bullpen day, which it could have gone either way. And then game three, uh, which happened earlier today uh, is the one I have the biggest gripe with Jesse because we were up six nothing at one point and yeah, we ended up losing hurts. this one. We ended up losing this one by four runs, uh, eleven to seven. Uh, anytime you give up double digit runs, um, you you immediately Jesse, you immediately go and look at like who was pitching in that ball game and and where it went wrong. Because uh, I mean, hey, we got we rallied around. Got six runs fairly early in that game. Ended up tallying one more, but it was all for nothing, as we dro- we dropped that game. It was a game that we had a huge handle on. I felt so confident after four innings of four innings of play, um, and even that was even after Bassett kind of dropped the ball, and you know we ended up losing that one. And it's tough, tough series. I thought that Texas put on a, a pretty good performance, and I thought our Jays did too. But I thought we. Uh, we really lacked pitching in the final game of the series. And it would have been nice um, to collect more runs in that four to two loss because that was another close one, man.
0: Blue Jays have been playing close games like this for forever, Riley. And, you know, uh, it is Father's Day today, so I do want to say happy Father's Day to the baseball fans and all the dads out there. But I really wanted to say it was almost perfect, Riley. The Blue Jays have owned the Texas Rangers throughout their history. We've swept them in back-to-back times. We've faced them in the playoffs. I really wanted to come here and say happy Father's Day to the Texas Rangers. But unfortunately, Riley, we just can't do that with how the Toronto Blue Jays played here in this series. So... I guess, man, there's a lot to talk about. So many things. You kind of went through the game recaps there. There was more than that. The Blue Jays did do some nice things. They also did some things that they did not do so well. And we'll dive into all of those into this episode here. But first, guys, like the video, subscribe to the channel, all that stuff. Five star reviews. Do all that, Riley. Let's get into the player performances a little bit here. Or what was the main storyline you want to talk about first, Riley, coming out of the series against Texas?
1: So we could go so many different ways. I kind of want to talk about uh, some plus stuff here. I know, yeah, start on a positive I, know note, right? I know that we dropped this series and it was not a flashy one. It was not a good series, but um, I have two players um, in particular. Let's address the first one. So on the show, we were kind of talking about, hey, maybe a reshape to the batting order would, mm-hmm. be, would be something that this team needed, and you called it. You tweeted it out from the Buds Blue Jays channel, and we had Whit Merrifield batting in the two spot the whole series and I thought it went really well collected um, a hit in both games one in game two to go 250 through the first two games and then put a little more I guess offense to it he drove in a run scored hit walked I mean it's not obviously Whit is not a guy that's gonna be a threat for a ton of extra base pop no but he is too. And he is, but he is a monster on the base pass. I mean, he is one of, one of, if not the smartest, Base runner in all of baseball and has been for a long time. And if he can get on base and and you know cause a disturbance for opposing pitchers, maybe upset their timing, especially with this this pickoff rule here, um, hasn't come too many effects. But you can only go over two times and then have to pick them off essentially on the third time, or he gets the base. Um, What's an effective guy to use? Thought he did really well in the series. Again, not too many hard hit balls, but he's a guy who's not going to swing and miss a ton. And I was really impressed. Whit Merrifield is a great veteran player. He's done some good things defensively for this team, and I mean, we, we've we talked about this. Maybe it for a long time, it wasn't we weren't sure who's on second, but it's got to be Whit Merrifield, especially after this series. I thought he did a tremendous job, Jesse, and, you know, you same, same with Kiermaier. When he came onto this club, you like veteran guys. You see them play around the American League, and I think Whit's doing a really good job at turning back the clock in a lot of ways, and I feel very comfortable Mm -hmm. with him where he is in that batting order with how we've been playing. Shake-up is never a bad thing, man. We do not have a winning recipe yet for this year. Let's, you know, let's spin the wheels. Let's see what we can do in order for us to win more ball games.
0: Yeah, offense has been the big thing for the Toronto Blue Jays right now and we'll dive into a little more of the offensive troubles as we get further into this episode here. But we do want to give some praise. We're positive people, Riley. Let's give Whit Merrifield a little bit of love here. He really does look like he is back to that 2018-2019 Kansas City Royals Riley, 18 stolen bases on the year so far. He only had 16 between Kansas City and Toronto last year. His WRC plus is 115. If this holds, it'll be the second highest in his career. He's already accumulated 1.4 war on the season, which was just the same. He accumulated for a full season last year Whit Merrifield is in the top of our order hitter every single time. And the big thing I've noticed with him too, is he's cut his K rate or his chase rate significantly. He's not wailing at pitches out of the zone and spoiler alert. We're going to wish that upon another Toronto blue Jay as we get a little later into the episode, maybe they can take the Whit field approach for hitting, but always good to see a nice resurgence from big hit wit or two hit wit or three hit wit, something like that. We can come up with a nickname for him going forward here.
1: It's more like get on base, wit, and he he did. Yeah. I mean, he 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 got his assignment, and he followed through. And here's another one I got. Again, not a guy who. I mean, this was not a series where one or two players really jump out at the page. Wit for sure for me impressed the most. But um, show, Varsho, um, patrolling any outfield position is just one of one of the, one of the, like. I mean, it's been a long time, man, since we've had an outfield this good defensively. And I mean, I'll comp it to maybe like when Alex Rios and Vernon Wells and unknown left fielder were playing <laughs> at the time, because uh, they were both really good defenders. Of course, uh, multi gold glove winner, Vernon Wells and um, Alex Rios, I believe had probably one of the best throwing arms I've seen from right field in the mm-hmm. early two thousands, blue Jays teams. Um, Varsho can do it all defensively. And again, um, he didn't strike me as a guy um, who was really that that good. I mean, and you kind of see it now um, how valuable this guy is. And I know Lourdes is having a fairly good year uh, for the D backs, but Varsho for us has been a very valuable member of this team. He played a great one defensively in the entire series. And again, he's a, he's a threat at the plate uh, for his power. He's a guy who can who can pop off at any moment. Um, a streaky guy, but I want to give some love um, because there was a lot of, I mean, <laughs> a lot of defensive plays that I did not love in this series on the Blue Jays. Yes, end, yeah, uh, but Varsho and Varsho, well. Varsho, Varsho, just, uh, just very nice to have him patrol the outfield and make, make some difficult plays. And then I could go on about Kiermaier, um, but probably won't get into a ton of him on this episode, but yeah, absolutely love the outfield. We have assembled, man. And, and Varsho is a big, big part of that.
0: A note on Kevin Kiermaier, Mike Petriello, who writes for MLB.com, just posted an article saying that not only is Kevin Kiermaier, one of the best center fielders in the game right now, he might be one of the best center fielders of all time. So a side note, go read that article off on MLB.com on Kevin Kiermaier. You're going to read some really great things about him, but going over to Dalton Varshow now, Riley over the past month. So I guess the last 14 days, he's raised his WRC plus now by 17 points. He is now 98. So he's pretty much a league average hitter on the season. And that's pretty big saying from the massive slump that Dalton Varsha went through earlier in this year. Riley, he's now a second on the team with 11 home runs now, which puts him right on pace for the 27 he hit last year. And I really think he could even have a chance to exceed that number. Over the last two weeks, Riley, Dalton Varshow has been in the top 15 in Major League hitters in terms of WRC+. plus. So if we can get this going forward, that would be great success from Dalton Varsho. including a hit one today, Riley. 106.9 miles per hour off the bat, 405 feet. It's good stuff from Dalton Varsho When he can barrel it up and he's swinging at the right pitches, good things are happening with Dalton Varshow
1: um a small guy with with a lot of pop man of course the ideal guy you know if you want to talk about five tool guys this guy don varsho is a perfect four tool player you would love to see less holes in his swing but quite frankly you can't we don't live in a perfect world where we have flawless ball players um varsho is very close a real toolsy guy and that doesn't surprise me man he's a guy who's could hit all over this this batting order, and we've seen it this year. Um, him, you know, batting in different spots against you know lefty, righty, whatever the case may be. Um, so yeah, I do. Hey, man, I hope he keeps it up too because he's an important piece for this offense, and yeah, a threat for the long ball, the extra base hits for sure. Um, it, when he gets going on the base pass, he, you watch out. He's a, he's a quick one. I wouldn't be surprised to see more triples in the future too. Um, you know, in the over the next Ooh,
0: uh, little while. Triples, love a good triple, Riley. And yeah, I would bet the Dalton Varshow might have a few of those coming up here, maybe in the next series. One more positive, Riley, before we really dive deep and hammer out what the hell is going wrong with the Toronto Blue Jays. I just want to throw some love to Kevin Gosman. It's our guy again. We wanted to see him bounce back. He had a really rough start against at home against the Minnesota Twins his last time out. He was much better in this one. He only went six innings pitch because he did throw a lot of innings, four hits, one earned run on a solo home run, two walks, only four strikeouts for Kevin Gosman. But, you know, he looked a lot better. His his was able to induce a lot of weak contact. His average exit velocity against was 87. It was the lowest he's had probably in about a month now for Kevin Gosman. So good to see getting those swings and misses on that splitter again and to see the soft contact coming back from Kevin Gosman. We've said it again. We'll say it. We'll say it. Well, sorry, we said it before. We'll say it again. This is what your ace pitcher needs to do, right? And they moved him up a day. Remember, they swapped that in the bullpen day. We talked about that last episode. So he was only pitching on his normal four days rest, and he still seemed okay. He's had better starts. He's had worse starts. Honestly, at the end of the long season, this start might get forgotten, but it was a quality effort from your ace pitcher, Kevin Gosman, at a time the Blue Jays needed a quality outing.
1: This was a very steady start. You want to talk about just um, just holding your own in an appearance, six innings pitch, four Ks, and giving up uh, four hits, essentially, in, in two walks. It's a very average start. Definitely not Gosman's best work, but I'm so okay with it. I'm so okay with it. You would have loved to see him get more run support. However, on, sh- on short rest, we talk about how good he is with that extra day's rest. Had this been a situation like that, Jesse – it could have been we we could have seen him go seven or eight mm-hmm. with less base runners allowed, maybe some more strikeouts. We don't know. These are just hypothetics. But I mean, I'm very happy with the performance, man. If anything has gone right for one player on the Blue Jays pitching staff this year, I mean, yes, Gosman have had the odd blow up, but when he is good. I don't think there's anybody better in in the American League right agree. now for yep. for pitchers. Like I I think Gosman Gosman has figured it out over a fairly long career. Um I definitely a late bloomer and he is just getting better, man. You saw like I mean you 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 saw it in this one. He wasn't spectacular, but still not a ton of strikeouts, but you're still getting guys off balance, making weak contact and even if the strikeouts aren't there I'm still okay with this one, man. I'm still very okay with it. It's a quality start in the books. He's gonna—I mean, he's—he's he's packing a lunch to the next one, and maybe we get something along the same lines. Maybe we get seven innings. Maybe we get eight innings. It's this is what we're gonna see with Kevin Gosman, man. But he's—he obviously he was gonna bounce back, man. I had no doubt in my mind.
0: Hey, Riley. We've done the positives for the Toronto Blue Jays. There were a few other small positives. We'll touch on those at the end of the episode. But now we really have to get into it. The meat and bones here of what the hell is going on with the Toronto Blue Jays right now. And I don't think we can start anywhere else without first addressing the offense for the Toronto Blue Jays, Riley. Riley, I'm just going to read you a list of numbers. that of uh, These are how many runs the Blue Jays have scored in their past few games. So today was good. They scored seven runs. We thought, hey, offensive explosion still lost that game. It doesn't matter. The game before that, they scored two. Game before that, they scored two. And I'm just going to keep going. These are the runs scored. Two, two, three, six, then seven. If you remember, that was the first game against Baltimore, the last game against Minnesota. Jays lost one of those games, by the way, 11 to six as well. Then they went four, two, three, three, five, four, six, two, three, three, two. Riley, there's a lot of twos and threes in that uh, box score there or that line score for offensive scored for the Toronto blue Jays right now. And I looked it up cause I want to try to figure out what in the world is going on. And I tweeted this from the buds and blue Jays account today on paper, the blue Jays look like they should have an, a great offense. They have great players. They have guys who are producing at good levels like Merrifield, Kiermeyer Kiermaier are all having great offensive seasons. Brandon belt before he got injured was one of them. The blue Jays as a team are top five in batting average on base percentage and WRC plus. So the Moneyball guy in e. you, Riley, you got to love that. You get on base, you can get things, you can drive some ends. Yet the Blue Jays are 11th in runs scored in baseball. And I guess the only thing I have that can even come close to explaining this is that the Blue Jays are just stranding too many runners on base, which would happen with their issues with runners in scoring position, which is something we've talked frequently about on this episode. Or it's just the lack of power. When guys are getting on base, we don't have that two-run home run. We don't have that three-run home run that is being able to drive these Blue Jays in. So, Riley, I guess two questions. Do you have a thought on that? Is it sustainable? Are we going to see more of this going forward? Or what is it going to take to fix this Blue Jays offense?
1: So stats fluctuate, right? I mean, uh, there could be a big... There could be a big power surge. Let's say, let's say we finish this month out and you know average 0.9 home runs a game or something like that. That would be very, that would be very bad. That's not panic button like, uh, you know, yet. But we could have a big resurgence in in July and see something like that, where a guy goes off and hits you know 11 home runs in a month or something. Because that's not out of the question. You look at this team i mean one through nine whoever's starting i mean you got a guy like george springer let's talk about let's just let's just talk forget about base let's just call baseball home runs right now george springer second all-time in lead off home runs you got vladimir guerrero jr who hit 48 home runs in a season not too long ago is he definitely struggling at the plate yes if you can have 48 48 home once you can probably do it again, or hey, at least but, hit the forty mark, but he's not even on pace but he's to do not. anything close. He's to that.
0: not doing that exactly.
1: No, it's that's the that's the problem. Bo Bichette is having one hell of a year. He's going to get MVP votes. Um, Is is Dalton Varsho a guy who's going to threaten for thirty home runs? Possibly. Matt Chapman at the start of the year looked like he was. Uh, Probably um, going to finish with the silver stick at third base. Mm-hmm. That's not that's not happening anymore. I mean, yeah, he can – uh, the second in the league in doubles is, is fantastic. But, I mean, when there's no ribbies attached to that in, in big clutch situations because our team isn't even clutch either. Also, in, in, in Jansen now, who knows what's going to happen with our catcher situation. Kirk had left the game. Yeah. Kirk – not okay, Mike Mike only clubs single digit home runs this year and I wouldn't be surprised and Danny Jansen for the amount he's played is an absolute beast at the plate and the odd time that a guy like Kiermaier is going to pop off I don't know if a guy like Espinal and Biggio are going to combine for eight home runs this year um but like there's power in this lineup like, uh, you, you, it weighs down to guys like George Springer. It's not all on his shoulders. It's more on Vladis. Bo Bichette, in my opinion, has done nothing wrong. If I'm a teacher giving out report cards, Bo Bichette has had an A-plus year up to this yes. point. I don't yes, care yes. what anybody else says. Bo Bichette has been an absolute masher at the plate. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Un- underperforming. And that's a huge reason why. I mean, we're sticking him. We saw him move, I guess, if you want to call getting moved to four spot um demoted i mean he got he got his demotion which is not really a demotion at all and and he's still not he's still the launch angle is still all out of sorts and when he gets a base hit yeah he pulled an rbi um a a pull hit like he could have launched it into the seats he didn't he got a good hit that way but he's still there's so much missing in his game right now and it's absolutely baffling it's frustrating to see uh because you can see you see a guy like bull and how successful he's done this year you see a guy um like when when varsho is 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 hitting as well as he is you think why the hell can't vlad do it and it's just it's just baffling man unbelievable at points
0: vladimir guerrero jr riley is sixth on the toronto blue jays right now in home runs with nine he's well he's technically tied for fourth (laughs) tied for fourth. sorry with matt chapman and danny jansen Danny Jansen has played 41 games. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. has played 69 games. They both have the same amount of home runs. In fact, Riley, Kevin Biggio has six home runs this year. He's only three behind Vladimir Guerrero Jr. And if you had that on your bingo card coming into the season, yikes. Um, Boba Shett is the only Toronto Blue Jay now on pace for 30 home runs this year. And I think coming into the season, we would have thought, oh, we could have had three, if not four Blue Jays all hit 30 home runs this year. That, frankly, is just simply not going to happen. So Riley, I decided to dig deep. I tried to figure out what in the world is going on with Vladimir Guerrero Jr. And this series alone, he didn't look good either. On on top of the fact that he's not really driving the ball, we talked about how he hasn't pulled a fly ball in over two weeks. He got picked off first base today. He made an error at first base as well that led to a few runs scoring off Chris Bassett. The base running numbers and the defensive numbers look terrible for Vladimir Guerrero Jr. this year. So is there a sign of hope, right? I think that's what we're looking for. Like, is Lottie just going to be this guy now, or is he going to be more? And if you look at the hitting numbers, Riley, a lot of the stuff actually seems pretty good. You said the um, the launch angle is out of whack. It's actually even better than it was last year, and it isn't quite at what it was in his MVP level, but it's getting better. And his expected batting average, expected slugging percentage, expected WOBA... Are all top 5% of the league, Riley. He's still up there in the hard hit percentage. That stuff all looks good under the hood for Vladimir Guerrero Jr. My first thought was, well, he must be swinging at too many pitches out of the zone then. He's making terrible swing decisions because that's something you and I have talked about before. But it looks roughly to be the same as last year. Now, there is still room for improvement on that, but it doesn't seem like that much of a problem either here. I think the problem is Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is getting pitches to hit, and he is just simply not barreling them up at the rate he's used to and doing damage on those pitches. So therefore, like to me, when I see that Riley, I think it just means a breakout is imminent. Like positive regression is coming and we're going to get a big second half here from Vladimir Guerrero jr. It's simply just a matter of time.
1: That's uh, ideally Jesse. That's, that's what, that's what we're waiting for. That is what we're waiting for. And there's, it's just, Hey, we need this to happen. And we need this to happen yesterday because we're, we, we just dropped another series. We're in a absolute dogfight. We're in an impossible division in baseball to crack, and we played a good team in Texas. And we dropped a couple games. We have we still have um, we still have a tough competition coming up that's going to pretty much take us to the All Star break. Mm-hmm. Um, like there's no room for error. The mistakes on the base pass the the care. Fearless the lackadaisical defensive plays, those all, those all got to stop. We have to run a lot cleaner, um, the offensive side of innings for this to work. And a lot of that has to do with, okay, well, yeah, we can theoretically put a batting order together. And if Witt is doing well at the top, okay, then he gets on base. But well, we need a guy like Vladimir Guerrero Jr. to to drive them in, or like, you know, because it's been a lot on Bo Bo's offensive numbers. Like I said, I've been fantastic, but you gotta have three guys in this order. Three, four, and your your three, four, and five guys have to be run producers, man. I remember, I mean, this is a while ago, but I mean, back in you know, we'll call it the steroid era of of baseball, the good old days, even if they weren't doing steroids or whoever, <laughs> I don't throw out allegations, but your three, four, and five hitters had a hundred RBIs. I mean, there were like that. They were run producers. A lot of them were cr- clutch, and we're talking about some of the greatest um, players uh, to ever play the game in that era, in my opinion. For for it being able to mash baseballs, and we're not playing that way right now, Jesse. We just simply aren't playing yep. an offensive savvy way, and. I mean, look, we can we can win a game two to one. That's fine. It comes down to pitching. Good for Gosman. Bravo. I mean, and then the game we do score seven runs, we give up double digit runs, and mm-hmm. that's just the frustrating part, man. You just you want to see. I mean, you want to see a quick start to the game like in this one today, and then the pitching falls off. But for the most for the for the most part, Jesse, it's us score in those two, three run games. And we need, we need Vladimir Gros Jr. to be better. That's just plain, plain and simple.
0: simple, plain and plain
1: simple. And, simple. Yeah. and I'm, and I got also a gripe with Matt Chapman too, um, because I talk about how good he is and I'll talk about, you know, that there is a lot of good parts in his game. I mean, but this year, his, his defense has been good. It's definitely not the best Matt Chapman defensively that I've seen. Um, so then, okay, so how's he doing on the off offensive side of the ball? I think we looked it up. He's still, I mean, pretty close to the top of the chart for for strikeouts. He's not walking as much as he should for what his, his archetype is. And, yeah, he's second in the league in doubles, which is great. But, I mean, if you're – I mean, being up there in strikeouts is a lot. You're not producing anything when you're striking out. Um, I would – hey, if you're going to strike out, walk a little bit more too because if he's gonna be up there in doubles, do another category too. And yeah, Varsho, he's coming around quickly. Like those three guys for me have a lot of pop and could easily mix in. They could they're all thirty home run potential guys and that's on the lowest end of things. And they're not even no one One's coming close to that right now, Jesse. We need more from our power.
0: They do. And like if it's not coming from in-house, it's got to come from a guy in the minors. And I don't know who's going to do it in the minors. It's going to come up here. Or it's got to come from outside of the organization. And the Blue Jays, if that's the case, need to find something sooner rather than later. Riley, we spent too much time on the offense. We got to touch on the bullpen, Riley. And let's start with the bullpen day that happened here. And like... In theory, the bullpen day, I think, makes sense to get through one game of baseball, right? You can use Trevor Richards, get him through a day. You can use Bowden Francis. You can use Mitch White as your long men. The problem with your bullpen day, Riley, is that the day before, and thankfully we didn't need him because Kevin Gosman threw a gem, but you can't use Trevor Richards in that game before because you know you need him to start the game tomorrow. You don't want to use Bowden Francis because you know he's going to have to go four or five innings the next day. Well, Kevin Gosman threw a gem. Worked fine. So you start the bullpen day as normal, right? The problem is you've used through all these guys. You have to bring in Adam Simber to protect the lead late. And uh, that's twice now this week that Adam Simber has been trusted to do that. That hasn't worked. By the way, his ERA is over six now. Maybe time to get him off this roster. But then like you go into game three, and ask Chris Bassett, who has had a few blowups this year. He's had three or four of those, but has been mostly good. Just so happens to have another one of his blowups where it doesn't go well. And now you have... Chris Bassett needs to be taken out of the game. You have an exhausted bullpen. You can't do something. You have a six-run lead. A typical bullpen can hold a six-run lead, but it can't because you had to use all these guys for a bullpen day the game before. And that's why the Blue Jays ultimately lost this game. I know we talked a bit before the show, Riley. It is time to get a fifth starter in here and have them firmly into the rotation so they can avoid this bullpen mess that has been costing the Blue Jays games here.
1: No manager wants to do bullpen. Like, you're crazy if you want to do do that. Like, that's not how you manage a, a team. There has to be a, some, some – there's got to be a change. I mean, we just – this can't happen, Jesse. You're absolutely right. We're lucky Gosman did that or we could have been absolutely just stomped on even worse. But look, the, the way I see it, I mean, the only good thing I'll say – Jordan Romano great four out save in yep. game 1. Absolutely. That okay, uh, comp- comp- compliments out of the way. What actually happened here? Um and it was like I thought I hey, Richards did great the first time comes out here. He didn't have a stinker, but he didn't do great. Francis same kind of deal. Like I I mean he wasn't perfect. He He was, he was average all right. He, yeah. he he was average. Uh same Same thing, okay, let's look at Garcia's line, gave up four hits and a run. I mean, that's not great for that small sample size. He pitched two-thirds of an inning, and then Simber actually did okay in this one. It wasn't until game three that uh, Simber crap the bed which didn't surprise me at all I mean Adam Simber is has a cool mechanic to his pitches but when it does not work he is going to get absolutely stung he is going to get hung out to dry out there because guys are going to mash on him I mean he doesn't throw the ball 90 miles an hour deception will get you so far but if you're not locating those pitches man holy cow yeah he hard. He's oh when he gets hit, man, he gets hit hard. I mean when the ground ball when it's pitch when the sinkers in, in his breaking stuff is pitched low in the zone and he can induce ground balls, I think he got a I think he turned a double plate if I uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but he did, turned a double play to finish his his line. Sounds um, right. Yeah. In, in in the four two loss, which I thought would, this, that was great. Um, but that's that's one outing. OK. Like How what is the ratio of like when is enough enough? Like 50 percent rule for me is as is, is a no go when a guy has a good situation Um, and pitches just over an inning or just under an inning and doesn't give up any runs, doesn't give up any hits, but then goes out in his next one and gives up three runs or four runs or whatever Simber is going to give up. Like, the 50% success rate just is not good enough for me, man. Like, I've had... uh, There's a, a lot of pitchers this year that I've can't say I've had enough of, but Simber is just, just not the guy anymore. There was a time I thought Adam Simber was fantastic. Probably thought he was our setup man there for a little bit. That's that's not what Adam Simber is now, and I, I do think it's time to move on. We sh- saw things get shaken up with Bass. I mm-hmm. think that we're being too lackadaisical in the front office. I think that we should have made a trade last week just to get things yeah, shaken up a little honestly. bit. And I, it's never too late. Don't get me wrong, but when we're having these bullpen days where Trevor Richards and Bowden Francis is going out for us and maybe throwing five or six innings combined, like we need to, we need to figure out a starting pitcher. We need another starting pitcher before we even go back to the bullpen. We we need another starting pitcher. We need to be able to compete. We can't just let this slide. When we're, you know, chasing chasing a wild card at this point, Jesse. Hell, don't talk about the division lead right now. The Rays are, are I'm not saying they're too far gone. Because you never know. But, I mean, we need to be able to compete with the wild card teams right now. And that just ain't happening, man. We need a fifth starter for starters. And secondly okay switch up the bullpen relief pitchers. I mean, they're not a dime a dozen, but we you can shop relief pitchers, man. That's not a hard thing to do. Exchanges happen all the time. You tell them there's n- no a Rivera's in the league anymore. Your 34, 35, 36 year old relief pitchers have played for half the teams in the league. I mean, let's make a move. These things happen yeah, all the I time. Agree, I agree. I will- I want, some rely- I want some reliable guy to maybe shove an inning, a seventh inning maybe, maybe gets to set up a game. I don't know what the price is going to be, but I'm sick of seeing so much bombardment from, from the bullpen because it's, it's good and then it's not good. Like this 50% success rate is not good enough, Jesse.
0: The last time the Blue Jays really had bullpen problems, we went out and we traded for Trevor Richards and Adam Simber, and the Blue Jays went on a run. I believe that was either the 2020 or the 20 I think the 2021 season where they really went on a roll there. And look, it did its thing, and it did great. Let's go out and make a move, Riley. We are about six weeks away from the trade deadline. I think you and I should come on one of these episodes here and try to figure out who the Blue Jays should have target, why they should target it, and try to come up with some trades. But we'll do that in a little later episode here. We're running out of time, Riley. I just want to get through these other things really uh, really quick. Want to wish a happy birthday to Yusei Kaku who had a birthday over this series. Happy birthday to my king, Yusei Kikuchi. Um, I want to say congratulations to Spencer Horowitz, who came up to the big leagues and had a hit, um, two walks, I believe, in his debut. Good for Spencer Horowitz. I want to see him get a little bit of a run, especially if Brandon Belt remains on the IL here. Um, Alec Manoa Riley, I have an update on him. He threw about 75 pitches over five innings in a simulated game in Dunedin. I think the next step is just for him to do that again. Get it repeated. It sounds like Alec Manoa could get into a real game sometime late next week if all goes well. So we have an update on Alec Manoa. And you mentioned early in the episode, Alejandro Kirk left the game with uh, with the thing X-Rays came back negative for a fracture, but it sounds like we will be seeing more Danny Jansen in the near future. So, Riley, any thoughts on any of those things real quick?
1: Yeah, I was figuring out on my phone, because uh, we are talking about Jano almost having double digits home runs. If you put I, – I, I don't know if my math is correct, but if you give – Danny Jansen, 140 games. He's a 30-home run hitter. No questions asked. It's. I mean, he just when good things will happen when when Jance is playing. I never want to see an injury happen. Also, Spencer Horowitz too. I mean, what a great great first game. Every at bat was productive. The two outs, and I thought his best at bat when he drove in a run was a little squibber, um, kind of in the Bermuda Triangle on the first base side. Pitcher played it, still drove in a run. So it's a real productive out, man. So Spencer Horowitz, man, congrats. Um, that's a pretty. That's a decadent. Uh, Cup of coffee right there for your first uh, major league game. Pull the ball through the uh, first, first base side, just past the second baseman kind of thing. A good, good hit ball and work two walks. Like, you can't ask for much more than that, man. Hell of a mm-hmm. job for him. We could be seeing him in more uh, big league games, which if he does that, Jesse, I got no problem. And a left-handed bat, always liked a left-handed bat as well.
0: Let's see the guy run here a little bit, Riley. uh, That'll do it for episode today. We've run out of time. Jays are going to Miami to play the Marlins here next. We kind of need a big series win. It'll be Barrios. uh, uh, Gosman will get the last game and um, Kikuchi in this series. So let's see how they do here. Riley, anything else to make sure we add before we call an episode here today?
1: No. And if I said that we needed to do well against the Rangers, I'm sure I mentioned that like Marlins, we got an interleague game against a team that we can hypothetically if we play this series a hundred times how many times do we sweep them this is this would be a great one to do that jesse is it going to happen i'm actually highly doubtful right now with just how things have been going like something needs to change and something needs to change quick our front office needs to not be lazy like we need to they need to be a little more thinkers i mean it should become a lot of power could become it should be coming from in-house and the bullpen should be better but if it's not you really got to Get after it, man, because it's going to be too late at some point in the year for us to come back uh, from these losses. 100%
0: my guy. The Blue Jays need to get hot and they need to get going right now. And let's hope after the end of the series against the Marlins, you can can come up here at the start of what is a big hot streak for our Toronto Blue Jays. That'll do it for episode here today, guys. Thank you, everybody for tuning in. Remember, please like the video, subscribe to the channel on your way out. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, anywhere you can find your podcasts. You can find Buds and Blue Jays. We got some big stuff coming in store for the second half of this season here. That'll do it, guys. Until then, make sure you vote for your All-Stars. Let's go, Blue Jays.
1: Thanks, guys.